0: of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. And I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up November 10th through the 12th in Florida, just outside Orlando. So give us a call at 1-800-49-PURITY or register online at gatewaymen.com. You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have a very special guest in the studio with us today, Kelly Newcomb. Thanks for being here, Kelly.
1: Thanks, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're going to get to know Kelly a little bit and then get to know about her ministry and just things she's doing with with parents and all kinds of good stuff. But before we do that, I want to let you listeners know about our uh, sort of resource database. It's where we have resources for all kinds of things, for men, for women, for teens and parents, and it's got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of stuff, workshops. It's our Pure Community uh, website. And you can just go to purecommunity.org. You can also find support groups nationally, counselors, and all other kinds of resources. And so just purecommunity.org is where you can get all that information. So Kelly, I appreciate you coming in and wanting to share with us. Uh, why don't you, I'd love for our listeners to just kind of get to know you, and then we can start talking about this daunting job of <laughs> yeah. parenting. Right. Especially in our culture today. Yes. So tell tell us about yourself.
1: So I um I am a mother, a brave parent, I say, mm. of seven children adopted from foster care. Wow. Um that's kind of what identifies me most right now in my in this stage of life. Um, but I've been married for sixteen years. Um, I went to college to be a pharmacist, so I kind of have like this science background um, and I've been a pharmacist in a community retail chain for um, sixteen years is how long I've been doing that. Um, my husband and I moved from um, the Midwest, and settled here in Texas. and we absolutely um, love it here. We love um, where God has led us um, specifically to our community. We are surrounded by a lot of people who also foster adopt and who love mm-hmm. that. And so that's been a real joy for us to share the ministry of of raising children from hard places. Yeah, so that's what really um kind of, identify as the core of our life right now.
0: Well, you kind of have to be a brave parent to take on yeah. that that calling. I often think, you know, there are certain things that I think require a calling, not just a happened, like, you know, hey, some Saturday afternoon, I go, well, that'd be a good idea. I, and I've often thought, you know, teachers who teach junior high students, I yes. think that's a calling. <laughs> I don't think you just wake up and go, I want right. to be a junior high teacher. And so I think just where you've, where you've landed in terms of who you are pursuing to raise, help us know how you got yeah. to this point. What's the journey for you personally to get to a place where you feel called by God, not only in your own home with your own kids, but then how how does that translate eventually to then saying, I think this is something that other people need right. to know about?
1: Yes. Yeah. So my husband and I, when we moved to Texas, um, we kind of got... Engrossed in our careers, and then, as that settled down, we were about three or four years into marriage. We decided that we were ready to try and have children, and God just sort of blocked that uh, we were we grew up um Christian, but weren't necessarily like very practicing. We went to church, but we weren't really living our lives dedicated to the Lord, mm-hmm. and so that kind of woke us up because when you want something that you think that the Lord's just naturally give you and you look around and everybody else can have children. Mm. Um, the Lord really brought us to our knees in that area. We went through three years of, of suffering and trying and um, different treatments and things like that. And then finally the Lord just really opened our eyes to say, what if you weren't called to be pregnant, but you were called to be a parent? Mm. Those were the words that um, really rocked us to our core. We felt calls and moved to San Antonio from Houston. And in the time, our house sold fast in Houston, but our house wasn't built in San Antonio yet. And a neighbor friend said, well, um, I have extra room. You guys want to stay with me for a while. You totally can. Mm-hmm. And she was an attorney who represented children in foster care. And in that time, she would just show us these websites with these sibling groups whose parents, you know, their parental rights were already terminated. And the Lord just broke me. I mm. would see these four or five siblings, and I thought, oh, my gosh, they just, they just need parents. I can probably do that. Um, and so my, my husband and I, we were just both, the Lord just opened our hearts and said, okay, this is exactly what we're going to do. So by the time we got to San Antonio... Um, we took some time, continued to pray about it and um jumped right in Mm -hmm. and we received we received our first call. It was two children and they were ten months old and five years old. And we thought, Okay, this is good, you know, we can do two kids and you know, after a wild ride, a couple uh months of learning how to take care of a baby when (laughs) that baby was not used to you and just all of those major changes, all of a sudden I'm I went from being, you know, this, you know, happy-go-lucky, carefree, you know, working woman to now I've got a child in elementary school. I had no easing into it. And I look at these parents around me and I think, I'm a fraud. I have no idea what I'm doing. But the Lord was very good. and, And those kids actually were so easy. That we said, well, why don't we get two more? And so mm-hmm. we thought we'd just keep adding to it. We thought, sure, right, we got yeah. this down. So after a year, we got two more. And those weren't nearly as easy and um, had a few more. And they left and, you know, a couple times. Then we said, okay, we're just going to settle with two. You know, we have these two. They were adopted and we thought we'd just be done there. And then the Lord, um, a couple years later, really kind of rocked our. Mindset, and through a focus on the family podcast that I was listening to one day while getting ready, they talked about um, teenagers mm. and the, what happens when they age out of foster care and mm. the need for people to step in to you know for to have a a family foundation for these teens. And immediately, I just felt the Lord say, "This is what you're supposed to do," because mm. I felt like our family wasn't really done yet, but. We weren't really in a a place where we felt super called for young children. We just didn't know what God wanted. We didn't even know. Maybe God would give us a miracle and we'd have our own. But when I heard that and I felt the Lord's moving, I thought, okay, this is what it is. And I, you know, nervously sat my husband down at dinner that night. And I said, okay, I need to tell you what I think the Lord is telling me that we should do. And I told him and he was like, Yep. Absolutely, and so when you sit down and tell your husband, "I think we should adopt a teenager," and he says, "Yes," <laughs> you know you're probably getting
0: the same message from God, both of you, right? right? Yeah,
1: because that's kind of rare. A lot of people don't receive that. So, yeah. um, again, we uh, jumped back in, got relicensed. Um, that took a, a, a little bit of process, and then to get a teenager, you kind of have to date them. It, you know, they have a choice as mm-hmm. to whether or not yeah, right. they're adopt um, they're adopted into a family. So we would go to a couple of these adoption match parties, and you kind of get paired up with these kids. It's like speed dating for kids. It's heartbreaking. You want to mm-hmm. take all of them. Sure, yeah. Um, but we just really relied on the Lord. Luckily, our, our younger kids, who were 10 and 5 at the time, were able to join us in those parties. And they kind of got a say as to who— Well, because they or, get a feel,
0: too, right? Because yes. it's they're integrating into the whole family. Mm-hmm. You're not just talking to either the mom or the dad or just the couple. Yeah, you I know? mean,
1: these are going to be the siblings. Right. So— um, so we met um, a wonderful girl. She was 15, and the Lord really said, this is this is who it is. And so we moved forward, and um, she came into our home three months later after our, our mm. dates and whatnot. And one of the first things she said after she moved in was, are you going to adopt my younger siblings? Mm. And I wow. thought, um, no, no, that's not going to happen. Um, this is good. We all. This is all we need. We'll have them for visits. It's totally good. This is what God called me to do. Was a teenager. That's it. Um. And, and God loves a challenge. I think. <laughs>
0: yeah. He'll crack the door with one thing and then yes. bring more in right. through that door. Yeah.
1: And so as she continued, um, to kind of ask us, "Well, so what are my siblings? Are my siblings the foster mom who had the siblings, and they had been in foster care for six years?" called us and said, um, God told me that you're going to adopt these children. And at that point, you, know, you just kind of laugh, like, really? God? Okay, yeah. I guess, maybe. So let's just have them for a visit. So they came for Thanksgiving week um, that year. Um, my oldest the teenager then hadn't even been adopted fully because it takes six months to get mm-hmm. them legally adopted. And we brought them in. And, you know, your heart just breaks. You think, how can how can you not? How could I not take them in? they they don't have a family They're you know, in a stable, but still they not adopt, right. you know, not adopted, um, family. So my husband, and I just kind of fell to our knees and said, we are not enough to handle seven kids. We mm. work full-time jobs. I mean, we barely, we still kind of feel like we barely know what we're doing. We've been parenting for five or six years at that point, but still, I mean, sure. Um, seven, well, is and a you're, lot.
0: you're, you're parenting in a way that is like crash course parenting yeah. because you're, you know, you're you're getting kids at these different ages and stages, whereas you didn't get any sort of prep to right. ease into it. There was no like n- natural segue, so to speak, for you guys. It was sort of just here, you know. And so that obviously creates more challenges. Before we move on, I want us to back up a little bit Mm -hmm. because I would love for you to just speak to it because something really stirred in me when you were talking about how when you said, you know, maybe God didn't let me get pregnant, Mm -hmm. but he wanted me to be a parent. So I know we have listeners that are either they've tried they're struggling, mm-hmm. they're grieving, they're angry, they're just wrestling with this idea of not being able to biologically have yeah. children. And I would love for you to just speak to those individuals from a place of experience and compassion, because I can only imagine what maybe the grief process is mm-hmm. like. Because we're going to get to all the challenges of what it is to parent. But what I want, what I really like about what you said is we have maybe this this narrow idea that says you can only be a parent if you're mm-hmm. biologically a parent. And right. you're you're sharing an idea here that I think is important for people to hear that the call to parenting mm-hmm. may not have to just come through biology.
1: Right. So why don't you speak to that? Absolutely. That was such a huge revelation to me. And I thought, wow, Lord, you're right. I mean... I don't think about those nine months of pregnancy as the ultimate, right? It was just a means to an end mm-hmm. in my mind. But I mean, sure, there was the idea of, of baby showers and, you know, getting cute clothes and, you know, as the woman, right? That child looking like you and having your characteristics and there's all of those things. But when it came down to it, my dream was that I would teach children things, that I'd walk on the beach with them, that I would teach them how to ride a bike, that I would show them the world, right? It wasn't nine months of a dream. It was this whole big picture. Mm -hmm. And when I broke that down and thought, yeah, I mean, that's only nine months of my life. Whereas there's these children who may never have those opportunities. And I have all the resources in the world to give them those opportunities, so, the call to be a, a parent—you um, know—sadly, it it has something it has nothing to do with pregnancy, mm-hmm. because people who aren't even fit, <laughs> if we're honest, you know, aren't even fit to be parents. Sure, um, you know, get the blessing of a pregnancy.
0: And if you think about one of the things that comes to my mind too is if you look at this thread that's woven all throughout Scripture from the very beginning to the very end of even when God is giving these commands to his people through Moses and the Levitical code and all these kinds of things, one of the things he ensures that they remember are the orphans and the widows, Mm -hmm. orphans and widows, orphans and widows, over and over again. It's like he just says his heart, says my people are mm-hmm. to be those who have a care for the orphans right. and the widows
1: to take care of those people absolutely and so in a, in a mm-hmm. sense
0: that's a call to parenting
1: right, right. it is
0: whether you can biologically mm-hmm. have kids or not there's a call for us as image bearers of god to gather up these children who do right. not have the 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 biological parents that are taking that responsibility or just the the home to be able to be loved, to, for us to take that responsibility. Right.
1: I think what's also interesting is, is that scripture in James, that it says, you know, pure religion is taking care of or you know orphans mm-hmm. and widows. And the second part of that is and to keep oneself from being polluted by this world. Mm-hmm. And I think that in our culture and our consumerism and all of that stuff, it's very easy to think that there is a natural process to being a parent, and it includes pregnancy. But really, I kind of began, as that verse in James really rocked me, no, I don't have to buy into that is what makes me a parent. What makes me a parent is I'm going to take care of, and I'm going to love and teach this child exactly everything that God wants them to know, that they are loved and cherished and, and all of those things. That's what really defines parenting. But the world, we know, it's, it corrupts, it it pollutes, and I think that's really distorted a lot of, um, young women's minds yeah. and, and men, frankly, young married couples. Um, well,
0: and one of the ways that we, that I like to instruct men or make them think is, you know, there's a huge difference between being able as a man to procreate and actually having the characteristics right. of a father. Amen. Those Absolutely. are very different things. There's Cause there's guys out there all over the place that Mm -hmm. are, that are able to get a woman pregnant, but they do not possess the characteristics of a, of a father. Yeah. And so so it's important for us to know those differences. And I think that's what you're stating here is you were, God was quickening in your heart and your spirit and letting you realize, you know what, my, my thinking before was sort of one dimensional in terms of how this is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And God really blew the doors off of that and showed you that you can and do possess the characteristics of a mother. Absolutely. So use it, right? Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Yeah. Everything that was in me, had. I knew I could take care of that child. That was my vision, mm-hmm. was doing the things that a mom does. It just didn't have... It didn't have to have that pregnancy aspect. So it was um, really eye-opening. And, I mean, I would be lying if I said that, you know, in regards to, like, the grieving process, that as the years went on, I didn't still think about, you know, having my own. Sure. Um, you know, you kind of—it's hard to distinguish um, the Lord's voice. And so sometimes when—I think now, hindsight, he was telling me, your family's not done, you're going to have more children— but our kind of desires and, again, the world pollutes our thoughts a little bit. And I thought for a couple of years, oh, he's going to give me my own child. He's going to give me my own child. But, frankly, I'm so glad he didn't. Mm. I'm so glad he didn't because I didn't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still so many children. And now I know I know how to love these children just as they are. Mm-hmm um i don't come into it just assuming you're going to be good and natural and and god has used everything that i've learned from being a parent where all of that stuff comes in to my home all of this all their baggage all their damage and all of that not to to fix me to mm-hmm. transform me and my own character and who i am he knew exactly what i needed and i think that's that's what we what I want to encourage the women and, and men who may be going through that infertility with that feeling may not always go away right but really press into the Lord because he may be you know kind of telling you
0: yeah and i want to I, s- I want to ask you what you what you experienced and saw through this process because you know our ministry is all about um, you know sexual integrity, sexual mm-hmm, brokenness on, right. and so what were the things because we know that the issue of of um fatherless children and even widows and all of these things are a result of the original Mm -hmm. brokenness that happened because of sin, right? Right. And and I don't want to communicate that somehow these kids being orphans is their fault, not at all, but just the nature of we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world, right? So what has been your experience in terms of what you have seen regarding this whole issue of sexual brokenness? in kind of the world of, of kids without parents mm-hmm. and those who have, you know, clearly kids coming into the world maybe because of sexual brokenness and then parents abandoning and all these kinds of things. What has been your experience of just seeing the the sexual brokenness right. in the world of orphans?
1: Um, that hits really close to home right now. It's um, my oldest, who I had adopted four years ago, um, is essentially repeating the same generational bondage that Mm. she went through um, with her own parents. Um, It's devastating um, because you see a lot of these women. My children are um, one of seven, and and outside of my seven, but they have other ones. And that family lost all of their children Mm. all at the same time. Seven children lost all at the same time Um, and essentially it it comes down to selfishness, you know, ultimately like the sexual brokenness is definitely a part of it. Um, some of my children come from families where they all, there's five different dads amongst the children. Um, and it's the selfishness of, you know, the parents saying, I want what I want and I'm just going to get it. I'm going to take it. And then
0: regardless of consequences, regardless of consequences
1: and the, the, unfortunate aspect of that is at the core, right? Our selfish desires, which is of course one, of, you know, so selfish ambition and sexual sin, all that go right in hands in hands get translated whether they want to or not to these children. Yeah.
0: That's they, they are, they are given a burden that they didn't yes. pick up.
1: It's true. And I, and right now I've got teenagers, so I'm mm-hmm. in this like Really trying to break the generational bonds. Some of these, I mean, some of my kids came at, you know, five, seven, young enough that you wouldn't think that they would have this. But the world that they were in, oh yeah. it surrounded them. They weren't in a home where maybe pornography just wasn't watched regularly or that sex was, you know, kind of talked about as a just a thing or or they didn't have to sit outside while mom went with different guys. I mean, those are the realities of what my kids saw. And so Mm -hmm. now I'm really trying to break that. Um, And my teenager, unfortunately, you know, before she turned 18, I only had three years to try and break that. And um, it, it's hard. And, and so she's um, really repeating um, a lot of just continuing that cycle. And
0: I think, I think um, parents in general, whether, whether, Our children are ours biologically, or whether we have adopted. Um, Parents have to face the regular cycle of grief. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. I mean, because there's just stages where, you know, that independence is asserted and all these other kinds of things. And I think part of being a brave parent is learning to grieve well, Mm -hmm. because grief can go in a really negative direction when it comes to parenting, wouldn't right. you
1: say? Oh, amen. Yes.
0: And so how do you, what would you say to those parents who maybe right now they're resonating and going, yes, teenagers, I get it, man, they, there's sexual brokenness. There's all these mm-hmm. kinds of things. So, so, you know, how do I, without being panicky mm-hmm. or, you know, overly dictatorial, Right. How do, how do we grieve well as parents those seasons and, and really still be able to stay engaged, keep the heart? You yes.
1: Know? You know, the Lord um, tells me very often, I only need you to do the next right thing. And and that, that has been for years he's told me that. And ultimately, it's follow my word and then trust me with the results. Mm-hmm. And then, so I have to believe that. So when I talk to my kids about sexual purity, because it's a very common topic, um, not only because of, you know, kind of my my ministry, but also because I've got teenagers who come from, you know, sexual broken homes and um, I constantly just tell them, this is what the Bible says. And I need to, I need you to know that this is what God says is the best. Mm -hmm. This is what is best. I can't make that decision for you. It'll ultimately always be yours. You know, I won't be mad at you personally, right? Because a sexual sin is a sin against your own body. But I just need to, right? I need to explain to them what the Bible says and let them know, you know, you can't do this for me. You have to do it for yourself and then I have to trust God with the results.
0: Right. Well, and it's so much of parenting too, I think. Not only is is grievance, it's seed planting. Oh, yes. Cuz, you know, I I'm I'm constantly Bringing to mind the proverb that says, you know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There are, while we while we know that we can't necessarily go to the proverbs to claim promises, because proverbs are just that. They're like these mm-hmm. general right. truths of like, hey, this mm-hmm. is kind of, this is wisdom literature. But I love the fact that there's a lot of wills in there, you know. Right. You know, when they're old, they will. And I'm kind of like, I I cling to that. And I go, you know, I've seen that in my own life because of the wanderings that I did through my teenage and early adult years and realized that the things that my parents had planted in me, those truths from God's word, guess what? He says his Mm -hmm. word doesn't return empty. So the things that they did plant in me, it did eventually come to a harvest. But you know what? I think about the grief. That put my mother through. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you know, now as a dad of teenagers myself, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, please Uh, spare me from from that, you know.
1: It does come full circle. And, you know, I think about that, too. Um, You know, the, the mistakes I made. It's so easy, you know, in your 30s and 40s to look back and say, oh, the Lord used every single thing and and he protected me even though I was sinful and I was this. But man, as a parent watching your children do it, it is hard stuff.
0: And the reality is, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, there's some things that we go through, our, our pain, that we recognize that when we go through it, there are certain maybe characteristics or lessons that we maybe couldn't have learned mm-hmm. if we hadn't gone through that. And we can see that in our own lives pretty clearly in hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. But then as a parent, we have this tendency to say, oh, Lord, please don't let any of that pain. And if you think about it, you know, people ask me all the time, hey, if you could do it all over again, would you do it all over again? And I actually say no. And the reason is because while I'm not saying that I would want to do all those horrible, mm-hmm. stupid things that I did that were hurtful, not only to me, but to so many other people. The reality is, is I would not have gained what I have gained in my faith mm-hmm. and in right. all those other areas of maybe character development mm-hmm. that can only come through some of those fires. That's and right. so if you think about what we're trying to then instill in our kids, there's a part of us that maybe has to pray, Lord, if it has to come through pain, let it be, but let us endure well and, right. and let it not be too harsh and and difficult.
1: Right. It It is so, so much of just that. And it, it's so much trust. I mean, do I, I feel like God asks me a lot of times, do you trust me with your kids because I gave them to you mm. and they're ultimately mine, right? I mean, and to me, for me, between me and the Lord, that is so real because he truly did give them to me not biologically like pluck them and put them into my home and so i truly have to think okay you know i, I do trust you with the results right my job is to show them jesus abundantly mm-hmm. to show them what way that he says is right um but the pain you don't want to take it away right that i want them to develop resilience oh yeah and perseverance um i think that's the thing that kind of going away a lot of times with this culture because we're almost over-parenting. And I never want to do that. I just want to be a brave parent in the Mm -hmm. sense that I'm going to do what's right, even though the world isn't saying the same things to their children, right? I want to teach you the right ways. And I'm going to trust the results. I'm going to trust the results to God. um, Because if I over-manage then it's just my results. Right. And I really, frankly, think God's results are going to be better than mine. <laughs> yes, they
0: will eventually. Well, we're about out of time, but tell, tell our listeners where they can uh, learn about your ministry. I'd love to have you back again so that we can maybe dive into just a few more insights and things that will be helpful for parents. But where can uh, people learn about your ministry?
1: Absolutely. So the website is braveparenting.net. And then we're also on Facebook at Brave Parenting Network. Okay. Mostly there.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, thanks, Kelly, for being with us. And we look forward to having you back uh, next time. Great. Thanks, Jonathan. And listeners, we're always glad that you're here. And uh, we look forward to having you back here next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.